if all your company has is photos of the people I will actually be working with on a day in day out basis, loving big, happy smiles on their faces, invested in the team aspect of it, then that is a great sign for me that your company is one that I'm, I'm going to want to drop a resume on and, and hopefully land an interview with. Life is going great until one day you're out of work. No matter how it happened, you need to find a new job pronto. The problem is, no one ever taught you how to navigate the ever-shifting and ever-changing wasteland of applying for a job in the modern market. I'm Rob Conlon, and here on Recruiting Hell, I help people get jobs. I'm on a mission to help educate 10,000 job seekers on the best ways to get hired in the modern job market. No matter your field, this show is designed to help you level up your job hunting game and escape the many circles of Recruiting Hell. Step into my studio, and let's get you the hell out of here. This episode of Recruiting Hell is generously supported by our friends at CoinList, one of the fastest-growing companies in the cryptocurrency space. CoinList is hiring. Visit www.coinlist.co slash jobs to apply. Tell them Rob sent you. Hello and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. The culture question. It's a big one. We spend more than a quarter of our waking lives at work. Here's a bit of rough math that'll probably shock you a little bit like it did me. 94,000 hours of our existence is spent in the workplace. We only get about 660,000 hours to live, and roughly a third of that is already spent sleeping. So spending 25% of the remaining hours that you have awake at a place that you hate is absolutely asinine. This is why we look for company cultures that match what we need to make us feel fulfilled and keep us happy at work. You've got that friend who has a job that rocks so much that you're jealous of them, right? You know you do. Now today, we're going to explore what to look for when evaluating culture within an organization you're applying to, both in the application process and in the interview stages as well. And to do that, we're going to bring in somebody who I believe is a master of identifying what a great company culture is. Chris Zahn is here with us again, and not only is he a fantastic friend of mine, but he's also our first repeat guest here on Recruiting Hell. Chris has helped lead and develop award-winning customer service teams and cultures over the past five years at Inc. 5000 Companies, as well as spent time in the U.S. Marine Corps as a combat correspondent. In his spare time, you can find him at the local cantina, writing his blog, Whiskey and Tacos, and posting things to Instagram that make me want to eat my phone. Chris, it's fantastic to have you here back on the show. Welcome back, buddy. Happy to be here, Rob. I am extremely ecstatic to not just be on the show again, but to be the first repeat guest. Um, it's truly an honor and a privilege, and I will say... The hardest part about taking those photos from my Instagram of the food is that the camera eats first. So you have to savor that <laughs> smell and, and 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 taste it already in your mouth as you're getting that perfect Instagram shot. So it's a slight bit of torture, not as much as looking at it from a distance, though. Oh, uh, no kidding, man. I almost licked the screen the other day. Uh, you're at Chucho's <laughs> in, uh, in Milwaukee by the airport, right? Mm-hmm. That, yes, sir. Those were just unbelievable. But enough about tacos. This isn't <laughs> this isn't a taco podcast. But at the same time, uh, you know, you should you should start a taco podcast. You should. I should. So, I really should. Now, last time, buddy, we were here talking about entrepreneurship, and you mm -hmm. came on to talk with us about you know doing your own thing. Which, hey, whiskey tacos is your own thing. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And we now sort of see where that got both of us. Obviously, your blog is becoming more successful. And it, I now produce podcasts professionally, which is just outstanding. Mm-hmm. So I know that both of us in the past have been kind of picky with the opportunities that we've looked at because we want that cultural fit. So, Chris, I'm going to kind of open with probably the most basic question of all. What is a cultural fit and what is company culture? A cultural fit is, there's no better way to describe it than home. I want my workplace to feel like a home environment. I want to feel just as comfortable there during the eight hours or nine hours a day I'm working as I do in my own domicile. It's hard to describe. It's even harder to nail down sometimes, but you absolutely know it when you feel it. There's no greater feeling than when you're in that work environment and you realize I belong here and they want me here. And I I don't ever want to leave this place (laughs) because that's how I feel when I'm at home too. I don't want to leave this place. (laughs) Fair enough. And I think that's a a great definition that home is something I've actually used in in my search. Mm -hmm. My my last job search was I want to find home Mm -hmm. or I also use the the phrase of warm hearth, which is kind of interesting. And that's, a little bit harder to find than you mm-hmm. really kind of think. And I, I think that you and I have lucked out, you know, in, in our careers where we have probably landed at what, what I'm calling now one in 10,000 organizations, mm-hmm. you know, where there's, you know, you can have 10,000 orgs, but none of them have that culture like that one. So digging in a little bit deeper on that, Chris, on the surface of looking at a job, what in a job posting says to you, that company's got good culture. One of the first key indicators I look for is any kind of sign that they are showcasing their own employees in, in their job postings or on their company websites or even just their social media or branding posts. You know, if if all your company has is photos of the people I will actually be working with on a day in, day out basis, loving, big, happy smiles on their faces, invested in the team aspect of it then that is a great sign for me that your company is one that I'm, I'm going to want to drop a resume on and, and hopefully land an interview with. Got it. So, I mean, and for our listeners, I think that's one of the most important things is that you don't just go through Indeed or LinkedIn or whoever it is and mm-hmm. say, oh, that job title sounds interesting. You got to do the back-end research. You have Absolutely. to go, hey, I need to get to this particular website, see what these people are about. And I think your point of showcasing people maybe over showcasing product mm-hmm. or service mm-hmm. is really a great indicator what else is good culture to you chris loyalty and and what i mean by loyalty is if you have a tremendously high turnover rate that is a sign to me that your culture maybe isn't so great i know this because if you remember last year i was spending a lot of time unemployed looking for work and I got to the point where I would apply, my resume wouldn't would get viewed, it wouldn't get picked up, whatever. But then I'd I'd see that job posting disappear. Like, okay, they found someone, good job. And then a couple weeks later, that job posting was back out there. And I'm going, I know this company isn't growing. They just aren't retaining the people that they're hiring. So that to me is an indicator that maybe something doesn't smell right with that culture. It's not always the person who was a bad fit. It's maybe the company wasn't as good as advertised either. Got it. And that's, that's a nice 
kind of other side of the coin too. Again, you might mm-hmm. not be seeing growth. And I think that's maybe important for for folks to realize is that if you see a company consistently hiring for the same position over and over again, it is one of two things. Either it's growing or, and potentially more likely, it's people washing out of that position and then having mm-hmm. to hire for it again and again. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I would say, based on their culture, correct? Correct. Uh, another one for me is... Ties into my earlier point about what makes a good culture. Uh, to me, a bad culture is if I look at your website for your company, I see nothing but stock photos. You know, if you can't huh. even find a photo of your own employee to attract me to a job, especially if you're a large corporation, why are you afraid to showcase your own people? I can understand if maybe you are a security agency and there's a personal security aspect or something like that where you're a contractor overseas and whatnot you maybe you don't want to be showing you know those employees faces because they could be in danger but for your local you know run-of-the-mill corporate company if you're afraid to showcase your own people that means to me a big red flag of i don't invest in my people and i don't want to be in a company like that and I think the investment part is so mm-hmm. important. And we, we've seen that in both of our careers when we've been invested and we've mm-hmm. probably done our best work. And and I think that that's excellent. So anything else in the culture world, good or bad, that, that's kind of, uh, I would, wouldn't say flags necessarily, but like what that you're looking for when you, when you first just kind of glance at a posting, Chris? A big word I always look for is teamwork. And it's easy to say, I'm looking for culture in a, in a job posting because a lot of companies have wisened up and say, we recruit based on, you know, how good our culture is. Like a lot of companies have started to use that as a recruiting pitch on their websites or their Indeed postings or what have you. But it's also, you know, the hot buzzword of the day. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like we offer a 401k. We have great culture. Cool. Everyone says that. What I'm looking for to me are things like, teamwork, growth, investment. I keep coming back to that word investment in 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 our teammates and our staff and our in our in our culture here. We care about you. I'm looking for care and love in a job posting on a website. <laughs> so, it's hard to find, trust me. <laughs> Definitely. And you mentioned something really interesting in that that last couple sentences that you said, Chris, the the hey, we offer a 401k. That's great culture. No, it isn't. That's a benefit. Mm-mm. It's a benefit that's offered. And what I've been seeing lately with a lot of folks is like we offer uh, personal protective equipment for our employees because COVID's here. It's like that's not that's not a work perk. That's not part of a culture. That's not a benefit. Oh. You just need to do that to make sure people don't get sick. And I think there's a a major mismatch on a lot of uh, a lot of jobs and companies that say this is a ben- this is a part of our culture. When it really mm-hmm. isn't. And I think they overvalue that. If you offer, you know, standard benefits, the same as every other company, guess what? You're doing the minimum. Every company offers that. And if somebody offers doesn't offer that, there's probably a reason why they don't. But it's the bare minimum for the kind of employee that you're mm-hmm. trying to attract. Every If you're looking for a me or if you're looking for a you – to to hire you have to understand that the floor of your talent pool the bare minimum wants a 401k 
wants, you know, personal protective equipment if they're working a hazardous job or if they're going to be public facing. You know, don't pat yourself on the back and think you're offering a great benefit for doing the bare minimum. It goes deeper than that. Yeah, definitely does. So we talked, you know, we got the, about the goods and the bads of culture, Chris, and I think we, we've kind of hit on some of the really big ones to just kind of pick out from the surface there. A lot of times in, in job posting, we see companies that they want to try and do a little something <laughs> different, and maybe they're trying to exhibit their culture through mm-hmm. the job posting, but they try to be edgy. Yeah. And we both kind of worked, we both worked at one of those, which would fall into that category, and it worked for them. But what do you do when you see one of those? I love it. I'm a big fan because they're trying to stand out and they're trying to be different. And that alone has already attracted my attention. If you try to be a little bit different than the average plain Jane out there, I will take a deeper look automatically because I believe that is something that should be rewarded is taking those risks. It may still end up being a terrible match between me and this company. They may still have nothing that I want to work for. But if they take that risk, it it attracts my attention. Interesting. Okay, because I've always been a little bit in two two camps about that. Because like I said, it's edgy. And sometimes edgy and cringy tend to be very close bedfellows. Yeah. And (laughs) like, I don't know. Is there a line that's crossed sometimes by companies? Oh, absolutely. Um and cringy is the exact line where you, where you draw that. You know, you can be edgy and you'll attract my attention, but it's a very, very fine line between me going, ooh, that looks interesting, versus, mm, I don't know about that one. They should probably rehire somebody to make that post. <laughs> okay. So does that benefit an organization in your mind? I think it does because if you have a solid idea – in your head about the person you're trying to attract, then I think you're only helping yourself by weeding out a lot of the the fluff and a lot of the the stuff that doesn't necessarily belong. If you are going to be edgy or even cringy even, you're making a specific post that's attracting a certain audience. If you know that your person is in that audience, do it. Because it helps you not have to sort through a thousand resumes. (laughs) Right. Now, again, that's the company side of it which is mm-hmm. great but for the for the person seeking a job i guess what's the what's the internal conversation that they should have with themselves when they're looking at this like edgy potentially cringy mm-hmm. job what's the, what's that conversation look like with himself to me i i i think okay what's my work actually going to be like now you know, are we just always going to be trying to be cool? Is the company just a bunch of um, tryhards? <laughs> you know, uh, I, it, it attracts my attention and it warrants a deeper investigation and, and trying to figure out as much more as I can. Is this just maybe a, a ploy to get my resume or is this just how the company actually operates? You know, if their social media is littered with these kind of posts about their normal day to day operations. Maybe I don't want to work for Lulz Cats of the you know LLC of the world. <laughs> <laughs> sure, and then that that makes a lot of sense, and that there's a good tidbit of advice in there as well. See if that uh, edge, if you will, mm-hmm. I'm going to call it edge for right now. If that edge extends to all aspects of the brand, because obviously mm-hmm. when we when we advise folks on this show, you know you should be researching companies 
all over the place, whether it's their own website, the job hunting sites, their social media. If their social media doesn't tie in and doesn't mm-hmm. line up with this, I, I think we can call that a red flag, right? I agree. Good deal. It's 2021. If you are a small to mid-sized business without a social media profile, either you're in an industry that doesn't necessarily need it, like tile, for example, or you just refuse to get on board with this train. And I don't know. That, that to me, just is a red flag. Like if you have zero social media presence for your company, that to me means you're ignoring customers. And I don't think that's healthy. (laughs) Gotcha. So, and again, perhaps you're also ignoring applicants. And again, Mm -hmm. you're maybe ignoring a potential way to interact with those, those applicants Mm -hmm. who are, who are looking for that. So uh, any other red flags, maybe one or two, maybe two more, make it around three other red flags about company cultures that maybe don't sync up for you, Chris. Buzzwords. If, If you don't have a concise statement of what your culture wants to be, if it's just littered with synergy and buzzword A and buzzword B and buzzword C. And to me, it's a red flag because it tells me you don't care enough to give me an honest statement. You're giving me fluff. If you can't give me an honest statement on your recruiting pitch to the public of what it means to work for your company, then you've either never thought about it or you don't care enough. Interesting that you say you've never thought about it because that was what I found in my job hunt Mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit was that I would ask the question like, what's the mission statement of Mm -hmm. this company? And I get these blank looks Mm -hmm. of like, what do you mean? And it's like, you guys aren't like, (laughs) like pulling behind something together. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be like, well, we're going to put, you know, a a Tesla on Mars or anything like that. It doesn't have to be something (laughs) like that. It just has to be the... Like, this is what we're about and this is what we stand for. And I think that's probably a very good question for folks to ask in an interview is, you know, is there an overarching mission statement for this company that is more than just we make the best darn whatever in the world? Mm -hmm. What's what's the the emotion behind it? Hey, listeners, we're going to take a quick break here for some of the business side of running a podcast. These sponsors not only believe in this show, but they may have a product service, or even an open position that can help you end your job hunt. Give them a listen and drop by their websites in thanks for their help in supporting this show and your work search. Hey folks, it's Rob. A lot of times on this show, we talk about the power of networking to find a job. Well, networking is exactly how we wound up partnering with our newest sponsor, CoinList. So you're asking yourself right now, Rob, what is CoinList? Well, CoinList is a San Francisco and New York City-based technology company that provides investors with access to the most cutting-edge investment opportunities in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space. On CoinList, investors can access the best new crypto tokens before they list on other crypto exchanges, and it pays to be early in crypto. Now, right now, they have two special offers for listeners of Recruiting Hell. The first, as a Recruiting Hell listener, you'll earn $10 of Bitcoin when you create an account and trade at least $100 worth of assets on the CoinList trading platform. That's right, you heard me, free Bitcoin. Just visit www.coinlist.co slash recruiting hell to get started. The second is something that could end your time in recruiting hell altogether. CoinList is hiring. 
You heard me right. Coinless could be your next great opportunity for work. Excited about cryptocurrency? Got a passion for technology? Find Coinlist's open positions today at coinlist.co slash jobs. That's coinlist.co slash jobs. And when you do, be sure to tell them Rob sent you. We're back. A big thank you to our sponsors for their offerings as well as you for considering them. On with the show. Chris, another uh, another red flag that says stay away from this culture. If you're only ever looking for entry-level people. So ah. when I – and granted, I understand that the opportunities for executive, senior, even mid, mid to high senior-level positions are rare and most companies prefer to promote from within. Sure. Totally understand that. I get it. But if – I am interested by your company and I go to look and see what other jobs you're looking for and everything is entry level. To me, that tells me two things. Either the only way in, you know, to make it anywhere in this company is to start at the bottom and work your way up or those positions just don't exist because the people in them aren't moving. And neither one of those is necessarily attractive to me. Interesting. And I think the aren't moving part mm-hmm. is very apparent for certain sizes of organizations, especially if it gets mm-hmm. smaller and maybe yeah. sometimes they get bigger too, because, you know, people stay in like an EVP position or executive mm-hmm. vice president for 35 years. I mean, when I was <laughs> working in downtown Milwaukee, there were, there were folks who were retiring after, you know, 43 years as a senior mm-hmm. vice president of this. And it's like, you mean for almost half a century, somebody has ruled this position? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we have that in the, in the Marine Corps, and I didn't know that until the later stages of my career. I call it the logjam. So yeah. each, each job field in the Marine Corps has a certain number of people at each rank allocated to it. Uh, the example that I was using was the master gunnery sergeant at the time mm-hmm. was a E9 position. It was the highest enlisted rank that you could achieve in my job field, the combat correspondent field. At the time that I was pr- moving up the ranks and then later into my career, there was only three of them allowed. So as long as those three <laughs> stayed in that seat and didn't retire, there was no one else that could move into their role. So there's three at that level. There's maybe 20 at the level below them. None of those 20 can move up, right? So then there's another 45, 50 below that level. None of them can move up either because nobody else is getting from us. So that one person staying in that seat for you know an additional four years after they could have retired creates a four-year logjam for everyone else below them. So the only opportunity you have to move up is if somebody either – retires or transitions out to maybe a different job, which is extremely rare at that level. So then I realized my promotion isn't necessarily just tied to how great of a Marine I am. It's also tied to whether Chad feels like retiring this year. (laughs) And man, you can substitute in worker Mm -hmm. for Marine there Mm -hmm. and it it fits perfectly with the professional. You know, I, I had completely forgotten about that because I know, I think who was, I think it was Mark 
mentioned that yeah. at one point in time. Our, our good friend Mark mentioned that sometimes things just stop. And when you're looking, you know, either in a, in a military branch or if you're looking in the public or private sector even, mm-hmm. that people who sit in those jobs for a long time, and maybe it's because they're they're at the top. Maybe they yeah. are the senior vice president of customer service mm-hmm. for North America. And aside from picking up the stakes and moving to Tokyo, there's no, you know, to be the senior vice president of Asia, there's no growth for them. Or mm-hmm. they can go find something else, but they like what they do. So I think that for folks who are searching for a job, that is a really great piece of something to keep in mind that yeah. it might not be necessarily that an organization has a bad culture that is always having the low stuff being hired, but there mm-hmm. might be that log jam that exists. I do that's that's money. Absolutely. And it doesn't always have to be a bad thing to be a log jam either. The three people at the top of that chain of command, right, or the top of your organization might just be the three best fits and we never want them to leave. And that's totally fine. But it's important to understand sometimes why you can't get promoted. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Good deal. Well, I want to just shift the gear back to culture a little bit here, my mm-hmm. friend. And a lot of times it's really hard to tell what a company culture looks like from the outside or from an application oh, yeah. alone. What do you think about Glassdoor? It's useful, but I always take it with a grain of salt because I believe there's only two kinds of people who frequently post. And, and I hate speaking in absolutes, but I'm gonna, I, I realize I just did it there. I believe 80% of the posts on Glassdoor stem from one of two camps. Either I had a bad experience with that company and I want to try and exact my revenge upon them Mm -hmm. because they were a terrible organization to me or I've drinking the Kool-Aid or I'm in a position of, you know, seniority within the company to where I have to say a nice thing about them because I'm protecting the company or I work in their HR department and I want to have glowing reviews of my company all over glass doors so I can attract qualified candidates. I don't believe that we get a lot of truth on there. And I also do that with like Yelp reviews and Amazon reviews too, though. So it's not nothing personal. It's glass door. I just believe that the people who make these posts stem from a limited pool of you know, people that are motivated by a couple of different reasons. One, you know, one bad extreme, one good extreme. Gotcha. And, you know, I'm really glad you, you mentioned the, the HR sneaking in there because mm-hmm. I've been there on that website. Yeah. You've been there on that website and you know, you can read them. They're so poorly written and things like that. It's like, that's almost a culture indicator in itself too. If your glass door posting that's a positive post reads exactly like the job I'm applying for, guess what? Guess who wrote that? <laughs> right, the exact same person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think the advice there for our listeners is perhaps like you said, grain of salt. One of my favorite things to do is I'm a big fan of reading two-star and four-star reviews. Yes. Because they're yes. not Yeah, they're not totally crapping on the company nor are they sitting there you know really really pushing it up and things like that because there always seems to be something in there like a modicum of truth if you ask Mm -hmm. me which is i think just great i I love reading the twos and the fours i agree i believe they're the only honest ones out there (laughs) that's fair maybe a three maybe a three but (laughs) yeah you gotta get away from those people who who tread the line you know yeah 
pick a side. <laughs> the problem with the three star is like you can't if you can't make your mind up about like this box of soap you bought off of Amazon, is it really a three star item or are you just indecisive? <laughs> that that see that's that's exactly it. And of course, are you were you indecisive about that job? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to again people, we see kind of the aftermath of culture on Glassdoor, and I don't think I've actually seen a company on there have something higher than a four point two. In at least in the, at least in Wisconsin. Which is, I think, pretty bad. Honestly, yeah. like you're not going to be perfect, but man, if if and that four point two, that's from our last company. <laughs> I have not seen anybody come come touch it. I've seen a couple four point ones, but it's it's unbelievable. And I I think that that speaks to a really big problem out mm-hmm. in the world that companies are not creating culture very well. But the other thing that I think that I want to ask you is companies create culture. Can employees create culture? Yeah, I feel like they're, they have to. The employees are the culture. You can set anything in a book of regulations and rules and you know make a pretty website for it, but ultimately it's the people who drive it. And everything you do as a company is up to the people who do the work, right? It doesn't matter what the product itself is. It doesn't matter how many books you've read on the topic. It's your people and yourself that are actually going to do the work. So if you want to have a good culture, you got to have good people who create that culture for you. And you have to give them the freedom to do so. I've unfortunately had experiences with companies where there were a group of people who were creating their own culture for lack of a better term. And it was viewed as a negative because what they were doing wasn't company approved, you know? And it's like, no, this is, this is exactly what the company should be. The company should be teammates working together across different levels of rank, different job positions. It should be all of us working together on a problem to make the company better. That to me is good culture. So it shouldn't be seen as a negative that we're all collaborating together to fix this issue. <laughs> Interesting. So I've we've always heard sometimes that culture starts at the top. In regards to the last question I asked you, does it? No. Why not? No. Standards start at the top. Standards are the only thing the top controls. The leadership of any company controls what they allow to happen on their watch, on their dime. You dictate the standards you are willing to enforce. Anything outside of that is human nature. Humanity is going to be humanity. You know, what's the line from Jurassic Park? Life uh, finds a way, right? That's right, Dr. Malcolm. (laughs) People are going to be people. And no matter how much you try to regulate humanity, you cannot. Your employees are going to be human beings first. And they're going to create their own culture, whether it's in front of you or whether it's behind your back. Which one do you want to allow? Which one is the standard that you want to set? So I believe leadership is responsible for dictating what my boundaries are and dictating what the the standard of excellence should be. But they don't set the culture. They, they, they just can't. That's not their job. 
that's actually one of the best things I've ever heard about Culture Man. <laughs> I think that's that I, I really put a little on the on the other foot there for me. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Uh, so then, kind of in the same breath there, when an employee goes in, or a new employee, somebody who maybe just got hired, mm-hmm. goes into a new culture, what would you advise them to do, kind of initially, to see if this is the right place for them? Give it 30 days. Don't make snap judgments on on any new environment. And that's just something I've carried with me through pretty much my whole working life is, you know, we have the the job goes in phases, you know, like your 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 basic phase is like finding the dang job in the first place, right? right. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, I actually found somewhere this seems like a good fit. And then you make it through the interview process and that's another phase. And then you actually walk in the door and 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 you go through, you know, the the excitement of the first few days of yes, if it's a dream job, then you're even more excited, right? You're right. even more happy to be there, like, yes, I love the paints on the walls. This is beautiful. I never want to leave this place. And and you got to give yourself time for the reality to set in, for you to start noticing more of the granular details and more of the the vibe and the mood of the place. So you, I, I tell people, if you first start a company and you hate it, one of two things are happening. Either you actually had a legitimately bad experience that caused that bad taste in your mouth or you're expecting something that wasn't promised to you in the first place. So if you thought it was going to be one way in your job interviews and everything else, and you thought this was going to be what the work is, and then you walk in the door and it's something completely different, then maybe it wasn't promised to you in the first place, but give it 30 days, at least 30 days. You know, wait for those first couple of paychecks to come through and really decide for yourself, do I want to go another 30? That's why I think a lot of companies that do like a 90-day probationary period is smart because that works for both parties. You know, a probationary period is fine because I want to make sure I want to keep working here too after three months. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. And it goes the other way too. Like maybe you come in the door super jazzed up, happy, excited. This is your dream job. And you are looking at it through rose-colored glasses. You're, you're not noticing some of the things early on that are indicators of red flags. So after about a month or so, you, you start to see that because now you're actually just a worker. Now you're just doing the job. The, the training wheels are off. The rose-colored glasses are off, hopefully. And now you get to see a little bit more of this is what the next year, five years, 10 years, however will be if I stay in this company. Okay, maybe it's time to start, you know, off-ramping and looking for something different. And even telling yourself, like, hey, do I really want to jump back into the job hunting market? Or can I just suck it up and deal with this? Wow. And again, that's a that's such a great take because you do have to give things a chance. You really Mm -hmm. do. And you have to, I guess, kind of compare and weigh out the interview process as well of here's what was promised. Here's what was delivered. And I think that that makes for a very good strategy walking into a new business. So Mm -hmm. that's excellent, man. And I think it also lets you sort of adjust to the culture too, because that can be a, a very big challenge as well. Adjusting to 
something that's already existing. You you want to be that gear that spins at the right rate mm-hmm. to fit back into that machine that's all spinning at the same rate. You can't be faster or slower or anything like that. Very Agreed. interesting. And and it's definitely not a hard, hard and fast rule, and it's certainly not no. one I've always followed myself. I mean, I had a job last year that I walked into. I was there for all of seven days. And wow. I knew on the seventh day, hey, this isn't a good fit for me. This is not the work that I want to be doing even for another, you know, couple of weeks. So I had a very honest conversation with the manager who hired me. And I was like, it's not you guys, it's me. You know, this is a breakup though. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i going to take the opportunity now to not waste any more of either of, either of our times. Because I was still in the, the training platform basically. So I was like, I'm not going to have you guys train me to do a job that I already know I don't want to do. And I'm not going to keep waking up to drive down here every morning for a job that I don't want to do either. (laughs) Hey folks, we're going to wrap this episode here for now. Be sure to come back next week to hear the second half of Chris's interview. It's an absolute banger and it went on so long that we had to split it in to two parts, but I promise you that there is gold in each one of these episodes. As we draw this episode to a close, remember, you are worth more than your work. Your value to society is not dictated by what you do to pay your bills. Job hunting is difficult, no matter your age, gender, location, or background, and it's both acceptable and to your benefit to seek every bit of help in conquering this challenge. For more from Recruiting Hell, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player or our YouTube channel. And don't forget to leave a review of the show if your podcast platform allows it. It's tremendously helpful. Connect with Rob via LinkedIn. Be sure to visit recruiting-hell.com to subscribe to our newsletter. And of course, follow the show all across social media. Just look for the orange and blue flame logo. Recruiting Hell is a production of Westport Studios and is proudly made in Wisconsin. Lastly, be sure to visit and support our sponsors. They make it possible to do this show and make it better every single week. Remember... Your job hunt is a marathon, not a sprint, and Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace. Thanks for listening. Hey folks, it's Rob. Are you looking for a new opportunity in an up-and-coming industry that can help you get out of recruiting hell? CoinList, one of the fastest-growing companies in the cryptocurrency space, is hiring. That's right, they not only support this show because they believe in it, but they believe that there's great talent to be found in this audience. Generous comp, great flexibility, incredible benefits, a strong culture, and a powerhouse team sound like a fit for you? Head to www.coinlist.co slash jobs and apply today. That's www.coinlist.co slash jobs. And be sure to let them know that you found them here on Recruiting Hell.